Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Caleb. Love you, love you guys. I love you guys. Um, yeah, this is Bethany Hicks' book. This changed my life. It's called Own Your Assignment. Um, just because you know your assignment doesn't necessarily mean you own it. That's a whole nother level. Um, and you can't have authority what you don't own. So uh, all book sales are going to our building fund. Please help us sell out. Uh, after this gathering, I'll be over there. Let's have a chat afterwards. But today my goal is to really help us, uh, both men and women, men, this is a message for you too, uh, for men and women to understand uh, each other as God designed us because it's been uh, misrepresented, right? So um, yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and jump right in. Uh, we're gonna start with Genesis 126. Let us make a man and a woman in our image to be like us. Let them reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock over the creatures that creep along the ground and over the wild animals. So God created man and woman and shaped them with his image inside of them. So I always throw stones at Adam and Eve. I don't know about you, but I'm like, how could they miss this? Um, but how many of us walk around in our day-to-day -day unaware of what God gave us to reign over, right? So I, whenever, uh, just a helpful tool that I use, maybe you're already using it, but when I read the word, I try to think of it in terms of my life today. And so that just really helps me process what God is speaking uh, to me through his word. And that is what really stood out to me as it said, let them reign over, let them reign over. They were, we were created to reign. So if you haven't heard, you were created to reign, right? Man and woman were created to reign, to rule and reign. That's the very first thing he said that they would do. Step one, reign, right? Step one, reign. All right. Um, but we do tend to put Adam and Eve in a box in such a simplistic view because we're seeing from this side of the story, right? But as we walk out our day-to-day, -day, right, it'll be easy for us to look back and go, man, that was kind of obvious. But it's not always obvious in the moment. Yeah. So I'm going to move on to Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord Yahweh God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Therefore, I will fashion a suitable partner to be his help and strength. Say help, help. Strength. strength. Yeah. I'm going to get to that term in a minute because I'm going to give us. I actually learned Hebrew this morning. I learned how to pronounce Hebrew. And I'm going to give a little Hebrew lesson in a minute. But uh, I just want to give you kind of a little backdrop before I do that. Um, I'm going to say something that's kind of obvious to me. I don't know, but women kind of have been treated as just helpers, um, in a lot of ways, culturally, not you or you online, but culturally as a whole, I'm speaking culturally as a whole. So before I even go any further, I, I just want to say there's no condemnation. This isn't a condemnation. Um, this is just talking God's inviting us to have a different view of men and women within the body of Christ, okay? He's reforming it. So we got to think in terms of the lens of our design. You know, that's what it's called today, by design. Men and women by design. So just keep thinking that as I'm talking. Um, 
but culturally speaking, it is the truth I've observed that women have been treated, and including I treat myself as just a helper or inferior of what man was designed to do. Um, even now, as I stand here, I was fighting the cultural current preparing this message because I'm thinking the opposite of what Caleb said at the very beginning is this is the annual appeasement of giving a woman a microphone. <laughs> uh, you know, and so these things happen. So maybe you've noticed in your own journey, um, I'm speaking to the women now, uh, where you've minimized yourself because of the cultural current towards women. But our senior leader doesn't think that way in this house. He's a kingdom equalist. So we, I know that that's not true, but yet I still fight those things in my head. Um, culturally, men have been seen as having the more important roles within society um, and women taking a lesser role behind the scenes. Now, I know that's changed over time. But what I want to say is, have you ever seen a mom whose child was threatened like, seriously, mama bear fierce. Wouldn't you want them out front? Because <laughs> moms are boss. So like, you know, the school calls and the principal tells you, you know, so-and-so did such and such to your kid. And I'm ready to go down to the school and beat everybody. You know, <laughs> that's my baby. Don't mess with my baby. Don't touch my baby. Don't breathe on my baby. Don't look at my baby, right? Um, <laughs> I would think we would want that, those women out front, right? Um, and I also want to be clear, this isn't feminist. This isn't bash the men, right? We are in reformation, what God um, has designed from the very beginning. We have an enemy that perverts origins. So God is calling men and women to walk side by side, advancing the kingdom. Um, and we cannot do everything men can do. I acknowledge that. There's things I can't do that men can do. Uh, we are equally powerful, but different assignments, no less valuable. Men cannot do everything women can. I, I create human beings in my belly. I have two of them sitting in the front row, my daughters. Yeah, I made that. <laughs> you know, men can't do that. <laughs> but no less valuable, different assignments. No one ever looked down on a man because he couldn't carry a baby. Different assignments by design. And we will not see revival or reform until this gets restored. Men and women walking side by side in the body of Christ so that God can be fully represented. He's only been partially represented, you know? And so I really feel like we can't, any longer overlook or push this aside because God is calling women to rise appropriately, right? He's calling us to bring restoration even to way in, he's calling us into restoration even in the way that we as women look at you men, okay? Our brothers in Christ. It's not feminist, it's kingdom. To restore identity um, and the God-given assignments is kingdom, okay? Um, I personally grew up in a home where my dad was pretty much in charge and my mom was there to serve him. Um, and I, I, I was just thinking even about my own message and the reason why I'm doing this is for my daughters, for the next generation. 
making the way for them. But I think about my mom who's in heaven. Um, she went to be with Jesus a year and a half ago, and she did not get to live her full potential. And that has always made me sad. Um, same with my sister. She recently passed. Um, I'm sad she didn't get to live her full potential. Um, and some of this is the reason why, and there's, it's complicated, but the point being is that I have this strong um, ownership that I take that no one would ever walk away from me not knowing uh, who they are, that their voice matters, man, woman, whatever, that you would know fully who you are and have permission to be that. Yeah. So, yes, <laughs> I do. Um, I don't want anyone to ever not live their full, the fullness of what God has for them. Uh, but, you know, just in my household, women were not allowed to have strong opinions or lead in any way. And, but me personally, I had this strong sense of self early on, like I was not going to have a man tell me what to do. You ain't going to tell me what to do. Just saying. Submit was not in, or obey was not in my uh, vows. Yeah. <laughs> So a lot of this was unhealthy. I didn't know Jesus. And uh, I was very dominant. I dominated my husband. He was in the first gathering. You can ask him. I was a very dominant wife. That's not right. You know, women, but I think it was because of the feeling inferior and in that I wanted my voice to be heard. You overcompensate, right, for what you don't have. So if that's you... And you're like me, no condemnation. We just get an opportunity to flip that, right? Um, and so, you know, it's not about dominating. But, yeah, so that was me and just had that unhealthy view. And I brought it here. I brought it here to this leadership. Um, I'm on an all-male leadership team. And I had some beliefs that I brought to the table. Um, so there was lack of trust. I believed, this is what I believed. I believed they only saw me as their secretary. Yeah, they didn't see me that way, but I saw myself that way. <laughs> and that all the roles that they were going to have me do involved helping them. You know, help, I was just their helper. I truly believed that. Um, and so I had to own that and I had to change the way I think because that is not how it was at all. But yet because of the cultural current and all these other things, maybe maybe that wasn't you. Maybe you weren't strong and and dominant. Maybe you were quiet and you silenced your own voice wherever you fit on that. But all I knew is I wasn't going to be in the kitchen like my mom. And I wasn't going to, I was, I was going to be an executive. I was going to be a CEO. I was going to run things. That was my goal in life. Um, and I just didn't know how to do it fully kingdom because I didn't know Jesus. Um, but I do now. And so he's restoring that. Yeah. And so even my idea of mothering whether it was natural mothering or spiritual mothering, was a little off, you know. In my view, it was like, you're in the kitchen baking cookies, either for your family or everyone at church, you know. That's leadership. <laughs> and I really didn't have a role model for what a strong woman, kingdom woman looked like that didn't make other people feel inferior for them to look strong, that wasn't putting others down so that you can look great. Um, I didn't, I haven't seen that uh, up to that point in my life.
but what to me, so I started asking, what does kingdom mothering look like? Um, what did God create me to be by design, by his design? So that's the question we need to continually asking. What did God create you to be by design? So we're only two verses into Genesis, and we can look at our culture already and see that dysfunction in the roles because the very first thing he gave Adam and Eve to do is to reign, right? Uh, you know, how many women got that opportunity to reign in history, right? So we can kind of see. Now I, know, I see the, the, the shift is happening. But what I want to do now is just look at that word, um, the word help and strength real quick. The Hebrew lesson that I promised you in verse 18, that word in Hebrew is eitzer. Did I say that right? Eitzer. E-Z-E-R. Eitzer. It's frequently used for military help and a term ascribed to God himself 14 times. It can be translated strong rescuer. Come on. That's the... So when you hear the, when I hear the word help, I hear secretary. You're just the secretary, right? So whatever you word you associate, we're going to replace, we're going to replace that with the Hebrew word. Come on, strong rescuer, strong rescuer. We would never say God is inferior to man, nor should we say that a woman is inferior to man. For both man and woman are eight-zero. God's choice of eight-zero indicates the woman is a man's first line of defense and an equal partner in the journey of life. So we are co-reigning. Yes, you can clap for that. Yes, yes. So when we hear help your husband, I want you to think in terms of this Hebrew word because that's the way it's meant to be used. We look at Mark 14, 40 through 41, the women who followed Jesus. Uh, there were women. Uh, just to set this up, this was, um, hang on a second, sorry. So this was after Jesus was um, crucified on the cross, and this is kind of the scene. They're all standing around. And here Mark says, there were also women looking from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joses and of Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem with Jesus. So who were they? Who were they? Did they just wash his clothes and cook his meals? That's what I think when I read the scripture because of my filter. So we're taking these filters off. Probably not. In fact, these women traveled from town to town with him and the 12, which was unheard of, supported him financially and spiritually, you know? So it wasn't like that. <laughs> Jesus empowered women all the time. But if we go back to Genesis, we see that it says, let us make them in our image. Who's the our? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So if God's image of women is eight there, then so is Jesus. We don't always um, need to look through the lens of gender, rather assignment. By design. What is the assignment by design? 
What was their assignment, these women that, that were with Jesus, that God had given them? Because, because think about it. God thinks of kingdom. He, he thinks in terms of family and generationally. He doesn't always think gender, right? So he's not the one that puts us in categories. The enemy does. He likes to categorize us. Black, white, male, female. So we need to start thinking by design. What's our assignment? We will never accomplish the fullness until both are equally represented. Galatians 3.28, I'm going to prove it to you. It says we no longer see each other in our former state, Jew or non-Jew, rich or poor, male or female, because we are one through our union with Christ Jesus. Yeah. You're my body, right? We're the body together. 2 Corinthians 5.16, so from now on, refuse to evaluate, refuse, it says refuse, I refuse, I refuse to evaluate people merely by their outward appearance. I need Jesus to do that, guys. I want to point to Jesus. We need Jesus, the Jesus in us to say, God, show me how you see them. I need that. I'm just being real. Heavenly identity is basically what he's talking about. So my question is to you in Genesis 1, is Genesis 1.26 still true in the new covenant or did that change? It does say he designed them to reign. So I'm going to take you through a couple of people that um, I studied for this. One of them, Samson's mom. I've never heard Samson's mom being preached. But she, there's a very interesting story. This is found in Judges chapter 13. The birth of Samson, a champion deliverer. Once again, the Israelites continued doing evil in the sight of Yahweh, so he subjected them to the Philistine rule for 40 years. There was a certain man from the tribe of Dan who lived in the city of Zoar named Manoah. His wife, her name's not even in here, just his wife, was barren and childless, but the angel of Yahweh appeared to her and said, look here, you are no longer barren and childless, for you will conceive and give birth to a son. Now, be careful not to drink any wine or beer and to eat nothing considered unclean. You will conceive and will give birth to a son. Raise the boy as one dedicated to God from the womb and never cut his hair. He will begin to deliver Israel from the Philistine power. A deliverer. Sound familiar? Sounds like Moses, right? So Manoah's wife went to her husband and said, a man sent from God came to me. He looked like an angel of God, incredibly awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name, but he told me, you will become pregnant, and you will have a son. Make sure you don't drink any wine or beer and eat nothing unclean, for the boy will be fully devoted to God from the womb to the day he dies. Manoah pleaded with Yahweh, Oh, Lord, oh, my Lord, please send the man of God back to us. Have him come and instruct us how to raise the son who is to be born. Wait, what? Didn't his wife already tell him that? So you mean in the Bible they also didn't listen to their wives? Okay, all right. She just told him. And he's like, oh, Lord Yahweh, please tell me everything you told my wife. <sighs> or that my wife just told me. But, you know, God's so good to us, right? It says, God answered Manoah's prayer anyway. <laughs> 
and sent the angel of God to the woman again. Oh, so he didn't go to Manoah. He went to the woman again. Interesting. <laughs> While she was sitting alone in the field, her husband Manoah was not with her, so she ran at once to tell him the news. Look, come quickly. He reappeared, the same man who came to me that day. So Manoah got up followed his wife, and went to the man. Uh, Manoah said to him, Are you the man who peered and spoke to my wife? Um, I am, he said. Manoah replied, Well, when Yahweh fulfills your prophecy, how should we raise the boy, and what will his life mission be? <laughs> the angel of, the, of Yahweh answered, Do everything that I instructed your wife. This fun? This is such a cool insight into their marriage. <laughs> she must have, but you know, he, he goes ahead and tells, he, the angel goes ahead and tells Manoah, she must abstain from anything that comes from the grapevine. So he's adding a little bit more language for him. Um, from the grapevine and drink no alcohol, nor should she eat anything unclean. She must do all that I have commanded her. And Manoah's wife said, I told you so. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> I told you so. I know she wanted to say, I told you. Manoah said to the angel of Yahweh, please stay here until we cook a young goat for you. The angel of Yahweh said to Manoah, even if you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you want to prepare a burnt offering, Offered up to Yahweh. Manoah did not realize that he was speaking with an angel of Yahweh. Stunned. He was stunned. Oh my gosh, I just spoke to an angel. What? Uh, Manoah asked the angel of Yahweh, what is your name? Uh, when Yahweh fulfills your prophecy, we want to honor you. The angel of Yahweh replied, why ask for my name? It is wonderfully hidden. So Manoah prepared the young goat and his grain offering and took him to the rock to offer them up to Yahweh, the wonder-working God. While Manoah and his wife watched, the flames burst from the rock and ascended up toward the heaven from the altar. The angel of Yahweh, wrapped in the flames of fire, ascended into the sky. Dazed, Manoah and his wife fell face down to the ground in worship. Only then did Manoah realize that he had met an angel of Yahweh. He turned to his wife and said, we're as good as dead. God just visited us. And his wife's like, if Yahweh had planned to kill us, he would have accepted our he wouldn't have accepted our burnt offerings and our grain offering. Like I read it sassy, but I know that's not. Like, <laughs> he wouldn't have revealed all these things to us or have spoken to us as he just did now. And Manoah's wife gave birth to a son. She named him Samson, and the boy grew up with Yahweh's blessing on his life. Moms, you're enough. You are significant and you are world changers. When you're changing your child's diaper, I want you to see a crown on your child's head. Okay, Jesus pooped. Mary had to change them. I'm sure they were cloth diapers, but come on. She gave birth to a world changer. He changed history. So even though... Um, she was never mentioned. She raised a champion deliverer and was chosen. That was her assignment, guys. So those of you who feel called to motherhood, 
Stop ranking yourselves according to that as, it's, as if it's lesser. That is a powerful assignment. The other thing I noticed, the angel spoke to her first, not the man. He did not speak to Manoah first. He did not go through the man to speak to the woman. For the man, okay, didn't go from God to man to the woman. God went directly to the woman. Even back then, I noticed that husbands doesn't, didn't listen to their wives, so that made me feel kind of good. Yeah. Um, I noticed that sometimes women have way better insight into a situation, and that's kind of our difference. You know, when you look at differences, sometimes we have better insight because he thought they, they were going to die, and she's like, we would have already been dead, basically. So you're good. Simmer down. <laughs> Um, something that God pointed out to me is when the Lord instructs you as a mom that may sound strange, it's for a purpose. Just listen to God. Um, studying this verse, um, I just got the new Brian Simmons book with judges in it. Ugh. And in the footnotes, it said the angel of Yahweh was God in human form. Just kind of bake your noodle a little bit. God himself was speaking to that mom-to-be. All right, I'm going to move on. Judges 4, 1 through 9. Guess what it's also titled? The Champion Deliverer. Interesting. I did not know this when I started this. Okay, I got to go through this. After Ehud died, the Israelites returned to doing evil before the eyes of Yahweh, so he surrendered them to King Jabin of Canaan, who ruled over Hazor. Yes. Got those names down. His army commander, Sisera, established his base in Horosheth of the Gentiles. Jabin had 900 chariots with iron rim wheels and he ruthlessly oppressed Israel for 20 years. You think we're living in an oppressed time? Think of 20 years of that. 20 years. Then the Israelites then the Israelites with shattered hearts cried out to Yahweh for help. Help. We need to be yelling that right now. Help. Um I just want you to picture what you think Yahweh's help would look like to you. Picture being oppressed. Picture crying out. What would, what would that help look like coming? Forget what you, you know. Just imagine that for a minute. What comes to your mind? For me, I think of like a strong commander of an elite force or maybe a transformer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but here's what God did. God raised up Deborah, a woman named Deborah. God raised up Deborah to lead Israel as a champion deliverer. She was a prophetess and a fiery woman. Yes. <laughs> she presided as Israel's judge under the palm of Deborah, a certain palm tree between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came to her for wise decisions. One day she sent for Barak, son of, I cannot say this name, Abinoam, from the city of Kadesh in Natali, and said to him, Yahweh, the God of Israel, commands you, go deploy 10,000 men from the tribes of Natali and Zebulun and march to Mount Tabor. I will draw Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, to fight against you at the Kishon River. He will have his many chariots and soldiers but I will give you the victory over him. Come on. 
He's going to give the victory over. So listen to Barak's reply. I will go if you go with me. But if you don't go with me, I won't go either. I'm kind of a team player, too. I'd be like, Caleb, if you ain't going, I ain't going. <laughs> if you going, I'm going. <laughs> Very well, she answered. I, this is so good, guys. Oh, oh. I will go with you, but you will receive no glory in the victory because Yahweh will hand over Sisera to a woman. <laughs> Fast forward, they go, God flushes out Sisera, then Deborah prophesied to Barak, today Yahweh has given you victory over Sisera, go, Yahweh is marching out before you. And then this woman named Jael strikes a tent peg and drives it through his skull. Yes, that's very violent. Barak comes in looking for him and she says, here's the man you're looking for, we took care of it for you. And he looks down and sees Sisera with a tent peg through his skull. <laughs> But let me tell you why God did that. On that day, God humiliated King Jabin of Canaan before the Israelites with an army led by a woman, and killing the king with the battle was a woman. And so there was something significant that God wanted to show us that day about women. Like, this was by her design. It says from the very beginning, he raised her. He raised her to that. It wasn't to say that Barak wasn't powerful. You know, some people will say, you know, well, she was the only one available. Well, what about her husband? He was available, and he didn't choose, her, you know, her husband. And so what I want to say to this fiery women of God, uh, this is not to dominate over another gender. This was by her design. So we, we need balance. We need to see the men of God through their design, not, yeah, God chose women, ha ha, like making men feel inferior or putting men down. That's not okay. Um, for my voice to be heard, I don't need to drown out their voice. Okay, and I have done that. I'm just saying, I have already done that in my life and God rebuked me. So he's, he's, a ki he's kind, God is kind and he wants us to see through the lens of assignment. It's not condemnation or shame. Uh, but uh, I just want to say, men, when you take credit for something that was accomplished by a woman, you're minimizing the kingdom impact it was intended to have. So you're robbing the fullness of God to be re-represented when you don't allow her to fully step into her role. It's the same thing. So um, what I want to close with is that what I've noticed is women are activators and nurturers of vision, and men carry the weight of releasing identity. It's their sound. It's the frequency of you. Your, your voice matters. Your voice is intended to release a weight of identity. Every one of you in this room, we need you, and we need you to walk along. I can't do this by myself. I will not be representing full, the full of God without my brothers in Christ. Same thing with, with, with you women. You know, the men, I want to encourage you, you need these women to walk alongside you to bring the fullness in leadership, in marriage, in family, and in community. 
So this is our model, our prototype for relationships. We have assignments according to our design and not solely on gender. And so we treat others through that filter. God's truth is our filter. So I'm just going to activate that right now. I did this at the 9 a.m. I hope it goes okay, but I really felt the Lord really press this upon me. It's going to feel uncomfortable. Just putting that out there. It was really uncomfortable last gathering. It's going to be uncomfortable. So we're just going to be uncomfortable together. I'm just putting it out there. And what I want to say to you is um, Holy Spirit's going to put courage in you to do these things that he's inviting us into. So what I want to say right now, women, uh, we're going to say out loud all together, even if it wasn't you, we're going to help our fellow women out that might don't want their voice single. I don't want to single someone out. So we're just going to do this together as a group of women. But uh, th this is for the group of women like myself who, in the attempt of getting our voices validated, we have silenced the men or dominated the men or have viewed men. And I'm not speaking of abuse. That's not this context. We, we don't condone uh, abuse in marriage or anything like that. I'm not addressing that. I'm solely addressing our roles in the body of Christ and how we see each other. So just give you a little context. But if um, so... We've viewed men um, and, you know, tried to make them feel inferior just so that our voice can be heard. Um, and maybe we have unforgiveness towards them. And, you know, we've held that unforgiveness. So what we're going to do is we're just going to pray a prayer all together because we want to bless our brothers. So we, we just want to release them from that. And we want to bless them. Online, you can do this with us. Um, so all together, I'm going to say a prayer and you just follow me. Let me find it real quick. Sorry. Um, okay. Lord, I forgive them. And I ask that you restore their identity in my eyes. And that you would show me how you see them. Anyone who has ever knowingly or unknowingly put me in my place or silenced me, I forgive them. Lord, restore their identity by your design. And I allow them to be fully who you called them to be and show them how to walk alongside women in Jesus' name. Can we get a loud amen? Amen. amen. Yes. The second thing I want to do is, is I'm, I, I am going to call women to come forward, and I'm going to ask my, the leadership to come up as well. But women, if you ever felt your voices have been silenced or shut down or you felt less than your full potential, um, even... As a, as a daughter, as a mom, you haven't fully walked into God-given assignments because you felt these things, or maybe you haven't ever gotten a mother's blessing, I'm asking you to come forward. We want to pray over you. We want to release you to be fully who you are. So I'm making that invitation now to just come to the altar and be prayed over. This is an amazing opportunity to be blessed by some very amazing men in this room. So yes, come on, line up right here. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Kind of squeeze in. Keep squeezing in. There we go. 
All right, so they're just gonna kind of come behind you and release, um, they can release whatever they wanna release, but I'm gonna pray from the microphone. Um, Father, we just honor you today. We bless these amazing women, these moms in this room with your God-given assignments to raise, uh, whether it's natural world changers or spiritual world changers. I bless these daughters in this room and online um, right now in the name of Jesus. And I just say you are beautiful, you are powerful, and you are created to change the world. And we validate the way in which God designed you. God did not make a mistake. You have permission to be great, to do great things. And we invite you to be the world changer that God made you to be, whether it's motherhood, ministry, entrepreneurship, whatever it is. I thank you, Father, that right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, you are bringing healing to these women's hearts right now where they've been wounded, where they've been rejected, where they've been pushed aside. I just say healing right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I say he is healing those wounds right now in your heart and he is opening up your voice. He's allowing you to see who you are by his design right now. He's bringing that restoration right now in the name of Jesus to see yourself according to your heavenly identity and the assignments that you carry to advance the kingdom. We release you, we release you, we release you in your kingdom assignments right now in the name of Jesus. We say go. Go, 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 go. Let your voice be heard. Let your voices go out and be heard in the name of Jesus. And we just bless you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we all say amen? Thank you so much. Uh, own your assignment. I'm going to be right over there.